There is a bi-directional relationship between truth and freedom, such that the truth will set you free, and only in being free can one aspire to uncover the truth. Gadsad. Have you ever been set free by the truth? How did it feel? Has your relationship with the truth changed over time as you've gotten older? Is there someone you love who would benefit from embracing the truth? In this week's episode, we're going to explore the power of the truth to set us free in order to become a little lighter, like a bird. Welcome to the Like a Bird podcast. I'm James Chadwick, and throughout 2024, I'll be sharing one essay a week or perhaps an interview, and then I'll be rolling all these ideas up into my second book, Just in Time for Christmas. But why Like a Bird? Well, it all started, as it often seems to do, with a single line that I couldn't get out of my head by the French writer Paul Valéry. One should be light like a bird and not like a feather. That line felt true and important. Yes, we should all want to grow lighter and freer as we grow older, but lighter with control, like a bird in flight and not like a feather buffeted around by the wind. And so this weekly podcast and newsletter are for everyone ready to grow lighter by gently cutting themselves free from the ideas, the habits and the people that are weighing them down. Got any of those? My guess is yes. So let's dive in to this week's idea, which is also available at jechadwick.com. Today on the podcast, I would like to share this week's essay. It's called The Truth Really Can Set You Free, but only if you can find the motivation, the courage, and the skill to let it do so. I heard about this family with a dog. They'd had this dog since he was a tiny puppy, and they all loved him almost as much as they loved each other. They had three young kids, and the dog spent the whole day playing outside with them. Then at night, he patrolled the yard and their bedrooms, watching over them. They really loved this dog. So one night, the dad couldn't sleep, and he went downstairs to fix a snack. He switched on the light, and to his horror, there on the kitchen floor was the dog with this white, fluffy bunny in its jaws. The rabbit was dead, limp, and covered in bloodstains, and immediately the dad recognised it. It was Snowy, the cute new bunny rabbit that their neighbours had just bought last week for their kids. They loved that bunny. Their family loved that bunny almost as much as his family loved their dog. This was a disaster. As he looked down at the blood-soaked fur, the dad started to think through all the implications. Their whole family would be devastated. This could seriously damage their relationship with them. Or even worse, what if they got the police involved? What if the neighbours demanded that their dog be permanently leashed or, the horror, put down by a vet? His mind was racing. He knew he had to act fast. The dad picked up the limp bunny and took it to the laundry room. Soaking it in warm water and detergent, he gently lifted out all the blood and dirt stains. Then, using a towel and hairdryer, he dried all the fur until Snowy was as white and fluffy as the day she was born. And then, in the moonlight, he slipped out and walked over to his neighbour's yard, opened the door to Snowy's wooden rabbit hutch, and gently placed her back on her straw bed, fluffing her up, to her original glory. He crept back to the house, mopped the kitchen floor, patted the dog, and slipped back into bed. A job well done. A few days later, he ran into his neighbour as they both returned from work and hollered his normal greeting. Hey, Larry, how's everything doing? Not good, Pete, not good, he said, looking distressed. Oh, no, what's up? Nothing serious, I hope. Well, something seriously freaking weird, man, to be honest. 
The wife and kids are totally freaked out. Nobody's sleeping. Everyone's been having nightmares. Remember Snowy, our little bunny? Remember how much the kids loved feeding and playing with her every day? Well, last week, Snowy passed away, and the kids were all crying. So we buried her in a shoebox in the yard with a little cross, and we had a little ceremony, and the kids all said a few words, and they all got over it. Then, a couple of days ago, I heard a scream, and little Stacy came running into the house like she's seen a ghost, and essentially she has seen a ghost man, like a bunny ghost, because there, back in the hutch, all white and fluffy, is snowy, as if nothing had ever happened. Now, I love this story, because, like all great stories and Coen Brother movies, everything that everyone did made full sense to them at the time, yet all those rational decisions led to a calamitous outcome. I also love the way it reminds us that the truth is almost always the best decision, because tiny lies can lead to outsized problems, while the plain truth will ultimately set us free. I've never sat down to read the Bible, but there are dozens of passages that seem to resonate deeply throughout our language and our culture. We hear them in songs, movies, speeches. We rarely stop to consider their meaning until one day something jolts us into deeper introspection. For me, this happened a few years ago when I came across this passage. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's John 8, 31 and 32. The truth will set you free. After hearing variations of these words all my life, and watching The Matrix far more times than is probably healthy, I heard it again and felt a need to dig deeper. I suspect I was tired of hearing and telling little lies all my life, and I wanted to find a different way. This simple phrase was now demanding answers, specifically to three big questions. Am I a truthful person, or at least truthful enough? Why and how could it set me free? What would it take to make this happen deliberately? I'll work through my answers one by one. The first question is very personal. Am I a truthful person, or at least truthful enough? This is difficult and perhaps even dangerous territory. The lies we've told ourselves for decades can become hardwired into our identity, almost impossible to pass out from who we are or from an objective truth. Can we even remember what happened now, often decades later? What if we start to unpick all those tiny threads of untruth but we keep finding more threads and the whole garment unravels in our hands. What if we were always held together by all these tiny, harmless lies? I personally found it helpful to trace my relationship with the truth back through my life decade by decade. I barely remember any lies in my first 10 years, and I'm sure my deep biases for the truth were formed in those years. My parents and siblings are all strong truth-tellers, and our family identifies quite strongly with its northern roots, which is a sort of code in England for telling it how it is. Honesty was always the most consistently rewarded virtue at school, and I remember feeling mortified with shame the day I was caught plagiarising a poem from a book in elementary school, which suggests I very rarely lied. The next ten years were very different. We moved down south, nearer to London, and everyone in our family struggled with their fair share of secrets and deceptions. As a regular, free-roaming teenager trying to fit in, take risks, get girls to fall madly in love with me, 
I became a prolific liar about everything I could get away with. For a selfish, self-absorbed adolescent, it was part of the job description, and I'm sure I continued to act dishonestly, uh, even at college. Of course, I wrapped it all up in a cloak of self-righteousness, but in the ruthless pursuit of love and popularity, I'm sure at times I would have lied without thinking twice. In my 20s and 30s, trying to build a career and a family, I had to wise up quickly. In my first job as a newspaper reporter, the radical pursuit of the factual truth was drilled into me, which, looking back, was a very helpful wake-up call. If I ever exaggerated or strayed from the facts, I was immediately caught out and slapped down by my sub-editors or early managers. Just stick to the facts. Keep it simple. In short, the adult world made it very clear that truth and consistency were expected and necessary for success. So you needed to either embrace them or at least conceal your lies well and present yourself as a truth-teller. Throughout the heavy years into my 40s, like any adult with young children, I tried hard to balance all the different roles we take on. Husband, father, colleague, manager, son, brother, friend, investor, handyman. And of course, I struggled. Nobody teaches us how to spin plates. I consistently failed at one role or another. So I also had to learn to cope with failure for the first time. I often drank, smoked too much. I suspect that all of our friends struggling through those years together became gradually less honest with each other and with ourselves. It's as if we all started using tiny habitual lies to cover up the gaps where the rugs just didn't cover the floors of our lives anymore. Just tiny lies that never harmed anyone. I'll call you. I'm definitely quitting next month. We're doing great. We should get the families together. I'm on the road till Christmas. You guys are so good together. It was like in the movies when the small lies start to become bigger and the character keeps running faster and faster to keep up with all the lies, trying to hold it together. Then one day in my late 40s, I just woke up. I was hungry again for the truth. So I started to hunt it down wherever it led me. I tried silent retreats, daily meditation, different types of book, and spending more time in nature. By gently cutting myself free from old habits, I started to understand this bi-directional relationship between truth and freedom. It's pretty simple. First, use the truth to set yourself free, and then use your freedom to see the truth. The truth will set you free, and only in being free can one aspire to uncover the truth. Two sides of one coin. This brings me to the second question. Why and how can the truth set us free? For most of us, a more truthful life awaits us when we're ready to embrace it. In fact, our lives can become much simpler very quickly because the truth usually leads us to a calmer and more secure place, whereas lies tend to multiply and beget more lies. Lies must generate new lies to support themselves. The truth distills situations down to their essence. Also, when we embrace the truth, we can no longer suffer from friends who lie to us or themselves, deliberately or unconsciously, and we gently start to avoid them. We might even find that our partners are now on a different path to us, and we need to let each other go. Love is often born out of deception and never recovers. The original lies we tell still define the integrity of the relationship many years after the first deception. We also might take up new creative outlets to express the new truths we start to discover. This human urge to live more truthfully has inspired great art, music and writing. 
Art is a lie that makes us realise the truth, at least the truth that is given us to understand, as Picasso said. For me, these essays are perhaps an attempt to find creative ways to express new truths. In these three ways, then, less complexity, different people, fresh creative outlets, our lives might slowly adapt when we invite the truth to set us free. The final question is about getting started and bootstrapping ourselves into a more truthful life. What would it take to make this happen deliberately? A good recipe might include three ingredients, motivation, skill, and courage. First, the strongest motivator for me was to spend more time with truth tellers. It's a liberating feeling when you're with people who have done the work, found their truths, and will fearlessly tell you about your own. Telling the truth attracts the right kind of people. As they say, it may not get you many friends, but it'll always get you the right friends who will sit down for hours and listen. Second, meditation is one skill that helps many become more honest, specifically a silent Vipassana retreat. Some people might prefer therapy, psychedelics, running an ultramarathon, or all three combined. But if you're looking for a shortcut and seek a deep transformation in just 10 days, including losing a dozen pounds probably and at no cost, I recommend booking a Vipassana retreat at www.dharma.org and trusting the whole process. Third, if you're still seeking courage, perhaps seek it from someone you already respect and love. Tell them how much you respect them and that you want to live a life rooted more in truth. Invite them to point out how they think you are still avoiding the truth. Ask for their advice and more importantly, for their help. Then having told them this and having received their advice, resolve never to disappoint them. The truth then can set you free for a simpler, more creative life with good people, but only when you find the motivation, the skill and the courage to let it do so. And if you find yourself washing and drying dead bunnies at night in your underwear, you've probably still got a little work to do. Thank you for listening to Like a Bird. Please subscribe to get one new idea a week. Check out more creative projects at jechadwick.com and share with anyone you think might be trying to grow lighter. And have a great light week.